This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning Best Selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Thursday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined by another first timer, Kate Foray. I have to say it like that. It's just the way it is. <laughs> Kate, good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, I watched. A little too much wrestling. Um, thankfully, Raw and SmackDown were extremely bad, so I could parse through a lot of it and just be just come to that conclusion of like, okay, I don't have to sit here through all this. I can fast forward through a lot of it. Um, but Saturday was fantastic. It was everything I wanted it to be. Um, I think all like wrestling fans wanted it to be this great event, and we're just you know, fingers crossed that they were going to pull this off. And um, I don't know how you feel felt about the, the event, but from my perspective, um, watching it twice now, um, I'm still kind of amazed at how good of a debut show uh, Double or Nothing was for AEW. Yeah, no, I, I actually, I only caught the pre-show. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I kind of watched it through Twitter. So I got to see everyone's reactions and, um, you know, saw the gifs and all that kind of stuff. And I think everyone really enjoyed it. Like, I do think there were some things that people had some legit criticisms about, like everything could be made better. Right. But I really, when I first heard that this was going to be a thing and this event was happening, I always want good wrestling to happen. I never want anything to be bad. I never want anything. Like, I hope it sucks. I hope it fails. Like I was really kind of, I was curious just based on the way that they were advertising and how they were bringing people on. I was, and it kind of just took a wait and see approach just to see like, well, I want to see how they do this show. And again, I'll want to see how they do subsequent shows and how they do their TV, but all from a perspective of like, I want it to be good. I, I am all for the more wrestling and, you know, sometimes it could be too much wrestling, but I think it gives more options for other people that are like, looking for something different and then they don't have to watch everything. They can just find the thing that they like. I'm nervous about how this affects my impact wrestling viewing because (laughs) I have maintained that it's the best pro wrestling show around right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's included in NXT because NXT is just, it's really not hard to make a good hour of pro wrestling television. Oh yeah. Like they get the benefit of the doubt a lot, but I'm like, they've gotten a lot better because last year and when people were really hyping up NXT, I was like, well, are you watching these monthly shows? Like they're, they're pretty boring. It's, it's pretty standard. It's pretty easy. Just fantasy booking types. All right, we're going to do three matches. We're going to do one women's match, a tag match, and then a main event. Like that's what we're going to do. And we'll maybe move that around a little bit, but there's not going to be a lot of build, not a lot of in-ring promo stuff. And um, it was just a very easy thing to do which is what aew also did by the way with double or nothing is like sometimes just doing the easy obvious stuff is the right thing to do of like just the appetite for um the people in that building and just i think for wrestling fans as a whole right now is just put out a great wrestling product for a couple hours and just keep putting in great workers and um tell a great story and give them time to do what they are good at doing um turns out that's a good strategy but 
um that's part of the reason that i've enjoyed impact so much is that it seems like they have found um their course with don Callis and everybody but it's a great show that nobody watches and um i i'm i'm here for it but i'm concerned that um me trying to keep up with wwe aew impact um new japan's big shows and then um hopefully roh closes down no i'm just kidding um <laughs> but i would Wait. not i i i'm i'm not really kidding because if we can know uh, less is more folks um i don't know i don't want people to lose their yeah. jobs but if uh, just all the roh talent got absorbed by AEW and impact that would be that'd be fine um yeah, I, I don't know. I just threw a lot at you there, but like you talking about just a lot more wrestling and that AEW actually being a success is um, maybe a detriment to our social lives a little bit. Um, <laughs> if they had fallen on their face, we're like, okay, good. We can cancel them out. At least we don't have more wrestling to watch every week. I say, yeah, I, I guess from the perspective of like, I need to have a life. It's like, man, I hope it's just, it's just terrible. Or there's <laughs> their TV deal fails and we just have monthly shows to watch. You're... I, I used to be really into trying to watch everything all at once. Like I would get the ring of honor on Sunday nights and do raw and then SmackDown and then NXT and then TNA. And then I didn't really watch new Japan too much. I'd watch like wrestle kingdom and the big shows. And then, um, I started dating my partner and I was like, they will watch all of the wrestling, but I'm like, man, it would be nice to like, go outside <laughs> and it was like I had to make some really crucial like I mean Monday nights and Tuesday nights make sense like you're it's a it's a work night so I'm home um I yeah it's it's a lot it is a lot to choose from. and then that you're not even mentioning like on your Sunday or your Saturday afternoon going to like your local indie promo like that's it's 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 so much but I I don't hate it I, I like it in the, in the sense that I think the more choices are, there's more competition. And I think it pushes promotions to kind of be the, hopefully be the best version of themselves. Um, so that is one of the things with AEW is that I know everyone's waiting for there to be a war between WWE and AEW. And I'm not necessarily looking for that, but I think by them being another, eventually another weekly television show, um, I'd like to think that maybe they'll offer a perspective or they'll offer, you know, something in a way that the way the audience responds that maybe WD will take notice and be like, well, well maybe we could, you know, just kind of push each other to be, to be better. Um, I don't yeah, think I, Vince gives a shit, um, to be completely honest. I don't, and especially based on Monday Night Raw this week, I, I don't think um, he's in the business of, uh, changing course with what he uh, wants to do and what he deems um, quality pro wrestling television, right? Like he just made the most money he's ever made in pro wrestling last year. That's like the thing that I just keep going back to is like, yes, their creative sucks right now. And Vince is extremely bad at his job. And we'll get to the Dean Ambrose talk is Jericho podcast this week, but um, he's making a lot of money with this product and building their, their shows around social media and just how many views their stuff gets and just that business model. Um, it's bad. It, it's bad television, but those like three minute bits and all that kind of stuff and compiling it all for Hulu and YouTube um, is a really strong business model. So I don't think they're going anywhere. Um, their ratings as much as they sag, they're still not terrible across all television and I don't see it ever just getting ex just unbelievably low. Like, I think there is a, a tipping point there a little bit where it's just going to like, ugh. we've seen this just year after year that they go through stuff like this, but um, I don't know. I just, I don't, he, I don't think he's that kind of guy who's just going to go into a war and really change course and get nervous about anything. I, f I, I really do feel like he already feels like he won a long time ago. And it, even if there was a war, it would take so many years for AEW to catch up to what WWE is right now. No, I, I agree in that respect. Like, I don't want it to be this blatant. I mean, I grew up during the attitude. Like that's when I started watching wrestling was during the attitude. Era. And then that was when you would see the pot shots between WCW and, and WWE. And at the time it was very exciting, but like growing up and you're just like, man, I don't want you I just want you to just put on a show. Like I don't, you know, if I'm watching either I'm going to be watching AEW because I want to, or, you know, I, I'm going to watch it because I want to, I don't want to be, 
and the, like I don't want that petty sniping back and forth. I've always been of the opinion, and this is especially true with like local promotions. Like I like it better when wrestling promotions work together, like sharing talent. And I think things like having NXT guys show up on Evolve, like I think that's really good because it it there's gonna be there's so many people like just like you said that that Vince is never gonna steer his ship. There's always gonna be WWE fans that are never gonna watch anything else. Like, they're just like, nope, I am a WWE fan. I have no interest in AEW. I have no interest in Evolve. I have no interest. There are people who are just, I have no interest in NXT. And so I think by having that opportunity of, like, bringing new guys and switching them back and forth, it exposes, you know, it, it gives people a taste of what else is out there without necessarily forcing them into starting a new promotion or, or you know, watching episodes and, and signing up for another subscription service sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I I think I might just have an aneurysm if AEW comes up with a subscription service anytime soon. Uh, yeah, I I feel like the TV and the pay per views, and and I think even Cody said like we're not going to do a pay per view every month, which I think is I think it's important to have a you know pay per view when it it calls for it. Like you know WWE does pay per views every month, and sometimes it's like oh we can just skip this one. Like what is it? building towards sort of thing like what is the point why are we having this oh i know can i answer this no go ahead uh, more money <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> I just, have I'm you like heard a... of this uh area called jetta where um several superstars are being sent over to um make vince mcmahon a lot of money mm-hmm. yeah and i and i'm not gonna watch that like so it's like oh that's the thing i could and it's i could skip it and that's i think that's yeah i think that's a really well, I mean, he's Can you really skip Baron Corbin versus Seth Rollins for the Universal title? You know, it, it's going to be really hard. I really sat down with myself mm-hmm. and I just I made out my options and I thought, you know, I really, this is my dream match. This is it. And last uh, time ever, I, Goldberg versus Undertaker. I mean, I know. Am I going to be, am I just going to never, never again? I'll never be able to watch it. It's never going to happen. Am I just going to be, am I missing out on something great <laughs> if I don't watch it? Um, um, but again, like he's going to make money, but I don't, I don't think I, I mean, he's making money. So clearly it works, but I guess from a perspective of like building storylines and characters, but like you said, that's not necessarily maybe what WWE is doing. Like, I think it's silly to have to, to have that as an option. I like, if you're putting out a project that's, why are you putting out a product that's optional to your audience? Like it should always be like, there's some mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Can't miss. Gotta watch. And I think. Cody mentioning like we're not going to do it every month. I think that's going to make it a little bit more special. It's like, oh, you can't miss this. Like, it's not like you're going to be able to go next month. Well, that's what SmackDown did so well two years ago when they first moved over to USA. Is they would book these matches weeks in advance. You remember how they like they would have like in next week you can't miss because they're doing the Shelton yeah. Benjamin versus whatever. Like they would hype you up and prepare for the next week. It felt like they had a plan and they knew what they were doing and they did a good job of enticing you to tune in the following week. Um, Monday Night Raw is like, thank you so much for suffering through this other three-hour <laughs> slog. Like, we're so sorry that uh, you had to go through this. But um, yeah. if you're back next week, we understand it's just because it's a habit at this point. You grew up with it, and you just can't quit us. Um, so thank you. But um, we're not going to try and entice you because we know there's never going to be a night that you get home from work and you're like, wow, let's go watch three hours of Monday Night Raw. That's never yeah. going to happen. Yeah. No, there's no... There's no, there's no, and I, I, I've been, I'm that type of like, at least the last couple of weeks, I have it on. Like you said, I will always probably keep it on and right. even as a background noise. And, trapped, you know, there's, certain, yeah, there's certain, <laughs> there's certain segments that are great, but some of it, I'm just like, oh, well, I'm gonna, it's good to make dinner too. You get home, you're making dinner, like mm-hmm. wrestling sort of thing. You don't have to go through everything. You can just, I love so I, I don't watch any of it live. I get up early and I watch the stuff in the morning and I go through what I need to go through and I'll rewatch the stuff that I need to rewatch. But um, outside of pay-per-views, which you have to watch live, I think, or you'll get stuff spoiled and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's oh, yeah. harder to avoid. But um, for just weekly episodic television, I, I generally speaking, will watch early the next morning. But um, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't see a scenario of me ever watching Monday Night Raw live. I, there are people that do it, obviously. Millions of people do this. I would love mm-hmm. to interview each and every one of them of how they sit on their couch and yeah. suffer through the commercials and the three hours. Of Monday. We had an hour 
of television this week to start off Raw before an actual wrestling match happened. Brandon Stroud, that, a friend of the, like he's just he's one of my favorite just writers in general right now. What he's mm-hmm. been doing in his Raw and SmackDown recaps and everything has just been top notch. I I very much enjoy reading them every single week, but this week was um it, maybe his finest moment. Yeah, it's um, I didn't like it. It it was literally I was watching the clock just to be like, we really haven't had any wrestling. Mm -hmm. Like, like what is what is going on? Like, it it was a little, it was a little unnerving almost. Like, why? What is? We're all just gonna stand around and talk for an hour, I guess. Like, that's a little. I was like, is somebody hurt? Are are multiple people hurt? Like, I always think someone's hurt when we're not when we're not watching wrestling. (laughs) Like somebody, everyone is hurt. <laughs> I think they just think this is good. This is what people want. Baron Corbin, remember him? Oh yeah. Uh, he's great. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, but to bring it back to Double or Nothing a little bit, um, John Moxley obviously he is just all over everything this week. He's going to be in New Japan now. Like all of his graphics and videos and hype stuff, like all top notch like i don't know how who's doing this stuff for him but they're doing an incredible job of making him look like the biggest badass in professional wrestling but um i guess my question is i wonder what the ceiling is on his superstar status of like okay so you get the you we, we're already seeing AEW commercials on tnt we're seeing that bleacher reports pushing it and they have a huge social media reach which is a huge asset for them as you can see with wwe and everything um that's a nice asset to have um warner media however they're not on television for a long time there we still have several months to go um not another pay-per-view for a little bit he's just gonna he'll be in new japan but that's just not gonna be a big match juice robinson who i very much enjoy like it's gonna be a fun match i'm excited to see it but um i guess my question is like can he get to that next level like kind of break through um just all wrestling fans know who he is versus like the john cena crossover appeal can he get to that level um because I mean, he, Jim Ross compared him to Stone Cold. And if you're going to make that comparison, then you've got to believe that this person is capable of breaking through um, just the, the pro wrestling fan barrier and that just casual sports fans or just human beings just have heard of this guy. I, I wonder if John Moxley is, is capable of that and he has that kind of crossover star appeal. I think he does, but I just wonder if AEW will get big enough, fast enough for that to work. What do you think? I think so. I think it's going to take some time, obviously, because like you said, the TV isn't happening for a while. Um, You know, another pay-per-view. But something that was really interesting to me, um, they they advertised Double or Nothing during basketball game that was being shown on TNT. Like, just casually, like, you're watching the game and they're, you know, they're promoting Double or Nothing. And so I think as, you know, the TV starts they're going to have that. There's going to be some crossover with TNA because TNT like invests, like, you know, wants this program to succeed, you know, on their, on their network. So they're going to do hopefully as much crossover as USA does with WB. Like, I mean, think of them as having his own TV show. I don't think um, he's going to necessarily want to do another reality show because, you know, they did total divas, but I think depending on, how well TNT advertises AEW, AEW as a whole, and then how AEW kind of displays John Moxley. Like, what type of, like, we already know, kind of have a general idea as to what type of character he's going to be, but like, presumably he'll be a top guy. It's just, I think it's all going to be just how all the pieces kind of have to come together. Like, TNT has to advertise AEW in such a way that when you do tune in, you do see John Moxley doing such and such and such. Yep. Um, and then having that crossover that might lead to movies and doing something like that, because that's what happened. I mean, with, with, with John Cena is that he started doing movies and that's how people got to know him outside of WWE. And same with the rock. It took, I think it took a very long time. And I think the rock and John Cena has broken down the doors of like, Oh, here's another wrestler trying to be like an actor or trying to be known outside of wrestling. But I think with each wrestler that does it, I think it gets a little bit easier. So for him to be the first or to not be the first, rather, I think it's possible because of other people who have done it before him. Like there's that, 
there's a there's a roadmap established already, and if TNT and AEW follow that, then I think it is possible. I am very much here for the John Moxley prison escape uh, video to um, interrupt <laughs> episode or uh, the departed version nine thousand sixty three on TNT on a Sunday afternoon. I, I'm very oh. much here for that. Oh yeah, just you're watching it on a Sunday afternoon, cuts to commercial, and here is. They're like, who the, who the hell is this guy? Like, let's go check out AEW sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, no, I think I think it definitely is possible. It's just uh, it's no one. Yeah. No, and no one entity can work alone to do it. I think they all just have to work to, together to do it. I think you should take some more um, photos of him and Cody Rhodes flicking off the camera. Um <laughs> I think that uh, might put him over the top. Or maybe smash uh, Vince. Oh, like Cody smash Triple H's throne. What would be the Vince McMahon equivalent of Triple H's Camp King's throne for him to smash at the, the next pay-per-view? Oh, man. I don't know what the equivalent would be. Is there what? Because Vince never really had. I mean, he has his. I mean, his gimmick is really just himself turned up to like. 27 essentially and probably even not not even turned up to 27 i think it's basically just him yeah um like i'm just thinking suits i'm thinking can you blow up his limo again i guess you could i don't know like Mm -hmm. that so much with his all of his limos like at this point it's just um i guess i don't even know i feel like also because i think vincent man the character not you know the the guy behind the scenes he's such a campy character he's such a like kind of you know what i mean like he's so that whenever somebody does make fun of him it comes across as very campy if that makes sense like i think back to even when i mean when triple h and like dx made fun of you know vince and, and shane like it was just the exaggerating movie it was just like caricatures and so in terms of like what like Triple H has his whole, he has a whole brand and he has all these different elements and entrances and stuff like that. And Vince never really had that. So I don't know how well it would come across without it coming across as, um, like, like too campy. I don't know, like too much sort of thing. Yeah. I can't really think of anything. I don't think there is. Um, yeah. Oh, well. Well, he can find something else. I'm sure there's uh, other alternatives here. Um, I also love that there is a very real chance now that Kenny Omega is going to start out his AEW tenure 0-2 and with losses to Dean Ambrose and Chris Jericho in 2019. What a world. That's that's insane to me. Like, and I didn't, I, I guess everyone, I went to bed early, so I missed like the Twitter explosion when Moxley showed up. But everyone, like, there was all these, like, oh, there were rumors. I'm like, I didn't see any of that. I legitimately did not expect him to show up at the end of Double Nothing. I lived, like, I woke up the next morning, checked Twitter, and was like, holy, like, holy shit. Like, what is, what is going on? And then, like, just, yeah, that pure image of, like, him in the ring with Jericho in another promotion and with Kenny Omega is just insane to me. Like, 2019 is just wrestling is wrestling is so much <laughs> well thankfully we're getting even more um which is what all wrestling fans always want is more things to complain about um do you have any <laughs> troubling signs coming out of AEW? is there anything of like all the di- like the biggest thing for me is like all the different partnerships and like who's actually full-time who's gonna be on the roster like are they gonna have enough guys and like are they gonna have enough just wrestlers locked down where like we know that these are the the characters that we can count on to be around a lot. I wonder if that's where they run into is like almost too wrestler friendly where they're all working all these different dates and like they're allowing Pox Dragon Gate stuff to influence their booking habits and all this other stuff. Like I wonder if that's one of those things that they actually end up addressing down the line of like, okay, it's cool that uh, we're, you're working in uh, New Japan and um, Dragon Gate or whatever, um, progress, whatever, like whatever the case may be. Um, I wonder if that's something that gets addressed sooner rather than later. But um, I, I don't know. That's my only thing that I wonder about is just all these different partnerships and being so friendly to the wrestlers and allowing them to work different promotions and all that kind of stuff while also 
um, working for AEW technically full time. I, I agree. I think consistency is key, especially on a week to week television show. And so you want to know who's going to be who you want to know who's going to be there every week. Um, I know Cody said that they were going to focus more on wrestling over storylines, but I think. And that's, I think that's what I'm curious about is what is their weekly show going to look like? What is it? Is it, is it episodic in the sense that like, you know, you have to, it's not that you don't necessarily have to start at the beginning, but with WWE, you, with, with Raw and SmackDown, you kind of need some recap and background information. Like why are so-and-so and so in the ring? Why are they mad at each other? What is going on? What's the story here? Where is it? Are they, and it, I'd imagine they're not going to be standalone shows like each, you know, each week it's not going to be like, you know, seven different matches of different people. I would, I think it would be important to have a core set of characters that you look forward to watching every week and, and seeing. And, and like you said, like, you know, there is a way to let them wrestle with other promotions and come back, but is that going to burn out the wrestlers as well? Like, I'm sure they're not going to mind, you know, the more wrestling, there's more money in it. But, um, you know, if I want to watch, you know, Nyla Rose every week, is she going to be there every week sort of thing? Um, and then I think of things like, because they've signed so many, um, um, women wrestlers and, and, um, people of color and all that kind of stuff. Like, how is that going to look on a week to week basis? Like, are they, you know, is the time going to be given to them? I, I imagine it will be, I, I'm not necessarily too worried about it, but these are the things that I think about in terms of like, you have this weekly, show you have an opportunity to elevate people that have a very diverse roster and elevate it in a way um how what is that going to look like and how are you going to go about doing it i don't know i don't think they know yet and i think uh, that's an exciting thing these are questions that don't have to be answered yet but i think they will have to be answered at some point um the the women's match the big one the fatal four-way that started out as a triple threat i thought this match was incredible i was very into all of this however something that i wrote down in my notes when i was watching this match was i think Britt baker is the biggest star of those four but i think she's the worst wrestler in this match am i crazy for that assessment i don't think you're crazy i think she has she she's the most I think when you when you think of a wrestler, I mean, I, I know there I I know so many wrestlers. I know so many names, but there's so many wrestlers, and it's just through social media, just seeing them tweet and seeing them interact, that I know so many of them. And Britt Baker is one of them that I've never seen wrestle like ever. And so I think sometimes maybe you associate the name recognition with you know how well they are, like how well they're going to entertain you. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't match up because you're excited to see them, you know, it, you know, it, it could feel, it could be disappointing sort of thing. Um, so I don't think it's a bad thing. I didn't see the match, so it's hard for me to say, but I did, I, I think, I think it's really great that other people that weren't necessarily as well known shined in the match. I think that's really good. And I think that speaks a lot to how interesting it's going to be if they stick around as characters, like how well the match is going to be if, if the other wrestlers stick around sort of thing. Yeah. I, um, I was, I was definitely here for the awesome Kong spot in surprise entrant. I'm yeah. interested to see if she sticks around cause she is on the older side. I want to say she's like 41. Um, mm-hmm. so we'll have to see what kind of deal she has with the company. If it's, um, a lot of future dates, full time, whatever. Um, cause I haven't seen anything reported about it as of yet. Um, but I think Britt Baker is just like a naturally likable baby face, but she also wasn't the most naturally likable baby face in that match because, mm. um, that goes to Kylie Ray, who I am all the way here for. I think Kylie Ray is sensational and yeah. she's like a better version of Bailey, which isn't a shot. It's just better. I don't know how to explain it. It's just a better version. I can see. I mean, I think Bailey has. Needs oh, you're to a Bailey evolve. fan. I can see. I, I can that, see how you're rationalizing here. Okay, make the case oh, for I'm, Bailey. I'm, <laughs> I, no, I'm a huge Bailey fan, but I also think that Bailey needs to evolve from the character that she was when she started. Like yeah. she's been on the roster for a long time, and I'm I I I'm of the opinion that for as much as I like Bailey, I think that definitely like the evolution that her character is going in now was a long time coming. Um, but yeah, no, I'm totally a Bailey fan. I, I, 
I, I enjoy her and I probably would enjoy Kylie Ray then if she's uh she's if she reminds you of Bailey. Yeah, I Bailey's uh, this is a bad time to be picking fights with Bailey fans because Bailey is just on a really good run right now and she had a really good moment and she cut she cut her first good promo ever um a couple weeks ago so shout out to her um because that was my biggest gripe is that we all knew she could wrestle but i don't know if it's the material they gave her or what but she is she was just really really bad in the mic and her character was just not evolving and it was just not even likable at that point you're like uh, do you not care about like there's just the alexa bliss stuff like oh there was just so many moments where i was like oh my god this main roster run has just been an, uh, a disaster because you think back to i still remember just losing my mind over the Sasha Banks Bailey match at NXT yeah. takeover years ago. Now time flies, yeah. but um, you could see that that kind of stuff can happen, but then years pass and you're like, okay, is this, is this it with Bailey? But obviously you can reinvent stuff, but um, I don't know. Uh, Bailey's fine right now. I'm not going to attack Bailey. I-, I will say that Britt Baker, maybe a little Becky Lynch to her. We're like, I think yeah. the crowd are always going to be behind her and just naturally are gravitating towards her, but also she's never going to be the best wrestler in her matches. Right, like I, I know you're a big Becky Lynch person, but would you at least admit that the best stuff about Becky is not her in-ring work? Um, I don't know. I like to look at wrestlers as as a whole, yeah. like how they entertain me in general, be it in a match or um, on the mic or just just in general. And so I, I mean, I guess sure she's. <laughs> she's a fine wrestler i don't think she's the worst i don't think she's the yeah, best she's wrestler. like average right like in because everybody's good now and she's yeah. still good but she's just like she's not better than charlotte i don't even think i don't know this might be a take but i think ronda rousey might be a better in-ring worker than becky lynch but um oh i would disagree with that give me one <laughs> bad uh, ronda rousey pay-per-view match you can't name one i don't think kate right I I'm going to plead the fifth on that. I am. I am a big fan of Becky Lynch. I'm a big fan of Charlotte. Um, I'm a big fan of Bailey. I'm not the biggest Ronda Rousey fan in general. So I just am a little bit biased in terms of um, everything about her. But uh, no, I, I, I think, I, I think it all depends on who you're wrestling. I think it all depends on the material that you're given. And I think one thing that was really, interesting about the moxley interview on on talk is jericho is that it kind of gave us some insight as this to how transition, by the way because this is what i yeah. want to next yes so keep yeah. going yeah. And so like you said like with bailey's materials like was it how much of it was bailey and how much of it was the material that she was given sort of thing yeah john moxley um something tells me we're not going to see him back in uh wwe anytime soon i i definitely like i think like i got halfway through and something he said and I was just like, we're not, I would be shocked if he came back and he like definitely anytime soon. I just, I'm like, we're never going to see him in WWE again. Like never have never. to die. Yeah. Yeah. Like never say never. Everyone comes back. Everyone, you know, gets into their fights and comes back. But I think I'm like, no, I think it's going to, and there, and now he has so many other opportunities to be elsewhere. He doesn't have to, right. if he doesn't want to. So I mean, and like, I, I never thought there would be a wrestler le- like just with less odds of coming back than CM Punk during my lifetime. But mm-hmm. CM Punk, I think, still respected Vince, and I think Vince still likes Punk, and I think he likes guys like Punk who will stand up to him and just like uh, do their own thing and just I I don't know. I feel like their relationship is probably a lot more positive than people realize. I think it was more with Triple H, and if you have Vince on your side over Triple H, um, I think ultimately that's can like you you'll get back in the company if vince wants you back and you want to come back um but john moxley just unloaded like just a lot of airing of dirty laundry that i just i don't think vince had any idea would come out because i don't think you give ambrose that kind of send-off if you really thought he was just going to go nuclear on your creative uh team and just the process and do talk as jerick and all this other stuff like is that a huge quality control mess up on WWE's just like point or it's just like, I, I don't, what did they think he was going to do once he left? Like, why did they give him this great send off? Did they think that he was just going to go away quietly and he would just take a long break and just stay quiet? Like, I, I don't really know. Um, but based on that interview, I'm like, this dude was really pissed off for months 
and knew he was leaving and was open to everybody about how frustrated he was. He like yelled at some writer and he was like, I know it's not his fault, but I yelled at him and all this other stuff. And just like hiding notes from Vince and scripts, like the pooper scooper stuff was insane. Like all this, all this stuff. But I don't know. I, I just, I wonder when Vince heard about this, that he did this with, Jericho he was like what he did what like I wonder how much of it is su- surprise and just I, I don't know I think all of there are just so many different layers here that is that are fascinating to me I yeah and I think and I think what was really interesting is that is that I think on some level Moxley still holds a lot of respect for WWE because he said at the beginning he's like this you know I met my wife there I started my career here I was a baby and all this kind of stuff And I think, like he said, like, they wanted to control the narrative. They wanted to kind of get in front of it. Like, here is one of their guys who, I mean, he wasn't like, you know, Dillinger. He wasn't like anybody, you know, I mean, any lower level guy. He was a top guy. And here he is saying, I don't care how much money you give me. I don't care. I'm leaving. Like, I'm done. And he went, he, he didn't leave early he didn't break his contract. He did it all by the book. He followed all the rules. He knew exactly what he was doing. And I think on some level, I like to think that maybe Vince respects that. Like for as much as like, you know, Moxley's blowing up, you know, this is what's going on behind the scenes and it's insane. Da, 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 da. But I think on some level, it's like, well, no, he did everything that was asked of him. He, he saw his contract. He told them he was leaving. He gave them notice. WWE took that and decided to do a special, do all that. And honestly, like you said, it was money. Like they made money off their very last shield match ever. Like we're going to do, we're going to make money off of a house show. We're just going to have the guys do their last match at a house show. We're going to promote him. We're going to sell his gear. We're going to, we're going to have him leave in a way that, you know, a you know, year from now, six months from now, they could sell a best of Dean Ambrose DVD. They, they can sell Dean Ambrose. Like everything is all about, I think they saw that he was leaving and thought, let's just make some money off of it. Like if, if it's, if it's so amicable in the sense of like, I'm not renewing my contract there, they had no le- they had no legal recourse. They couldn't keep around like they did with Mysterio and potentially like Sasha Banks. Yeah. He's professional so about everything. It seems like yeah, yeah. So it's like, well, I guess we're just going to make some money off of it mm-hmm. while you're here, sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe they thought he was just going to go do movies or, yeah, he was going to go home and just... That's I, what I it, thought. I thought we would never see him just be in pro wrestling again. I thought he would I, just burn out and he's like, I'm done. I made enough money. Like, he seemed like the kind of person to just go and do something else and we just never see him again. I, I really thought that, too. I thought for the very least, and he, he talks about it, too. He's like, I could have gone home for a year and healed myself and got myself together. And he's like, but here's AEW and here's something that I've been wanting. I want to be a wrestler. I want, but I just want the things that come with it. I want their creative control. And here's AEW going, if you want to, you can get in on the, you know, get in on the ground floor. And so I'd be curious to see what he would have done. Cause he said like, I would have left regardless of AEW. Like that wasn't a deciding factor, but I would have been curious to see what his next move would have been if there was no AEW. Would he have just gone home for a year and then just popped up in like New Japan or the Indies or anything like that? Um, but we'll never know. Yeah. Just I mean, that's a really perfect. good point of like what happens if AEW's does he renew? Does he actually yeah. talk himself back into it? Do they offer him more creative control if he renews and all this other stuff? Because it's like now these wrestlers have options, but now for just AEW, like moxley's success and just the way he's talking about them so glowingly like this is not good for WWE in that like (laughs) the like moxley's proving he made the right choice right away like he's clearly happy and just loving life and loving this decision and you could see a lot of different characters right now in in the big time just being like you know what like maybe that's the the way to go out like i think a lot of these guys are handling it the wrong way like sasha like she's just got a lot on her contract and everything else it's not like the sasha stuff is just so different in a multitude of ways but um the revival like i i don't know i don't know how that unfolds but it's just bad and i i wonder um if more people follow the ambrose model where it's just like just bide your time just do yeah. the best you can. You're making really good money because they're like offering everybody a bunch more money to stay to not go to yeah. AEW. Just 
bide your time. Most of these people are still young. Just get out of that contract, do your job, and then move on. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I see. I, I would expect that that does not happen, but um, I guess anything's possible. Do you think these comments in this podcast changes anything behind the scenes in WWE? Um, I think I always knew just based on, um, like I follow a couple. Oh, do you like? Do you think it'll change WWE like the way that they operate? Yeah, their creative team, like how they they go about everything. Now that it's all out there, just being like Vince is just still the final decision maker, and he's still just crazy as hell. You know, I don't know. I my from an idealist perspective, I would like them to see it as constructive criticism and that they don't revamp they don't have to revamp anything completely but take it under consideration and and really think about are what are they doing you know like just have like and this is like super idealistic um just have like a come to jesus moment of like is the way that we're doing things the best way to do them um i'm working for a company right now and i won't say which one but my current boss is retiring and we have a new boss coming and he has come in and looked and seen how we're doing things and he's making some changes. And just because not that necessarily it's not as bad as WWE, like the way that the process is, is bad, but there are ways that we could do it better and more productive and create better content, you know, create a better rock, create a better SmackDown. Um, my, pessimistic side says they're just going to be stubborn and just be like ah he left like we're just going to keep doing what we're doing we're still making money if it isn't broke don't fix it this is the way it's always been done we're just going to keep doing it um but maybe i'd like to see somewhere in between like just change something like clearly people are unhappy and i think that if you want people to stick around and not buy their time to leave their contract they're they have to make some changes, like just something it's ridiculous. Like here's this guy that's like your current model is not working and your current model is why I left. And so I think it would be smart of them to look at that and say, well, what can we do to improve upon that? Right. I think that's, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, road dog got to feel vindicated, vindicated, right? He was listening yeah. to that. of just like, I was trying to tell him. Um, I don't know if that's how Road Dog talks, but um, I just imagine <laughs> that's close to what he talks. Um, but he's back in NXT now. I think he's like a full time person there now. He'll he'll join Shawn Michaels and everybody else. But then there's another weird thing with Billy Gunn being in uh, AEW. Um, yeah. Speaking of, are we sure Dolph Ziggler doesn't just get announced as Billy Gunn for the Saudi Prince? I you know what I think what was the last show of the show before that the prince asked for somebody in specific, like particular. Yeah. I can't remember who it was. And, and the guy was dead yes. because he, he, he's not, he doesn't watch current WWE. Was right? it Yokozuna? He worked, I want to say it was somebody like Yokozuna. It, it might've been Yokozuna. And I think that's why they like brought big show over. Mm-hmm. Like, like we don't have Yokozuna, but we have another big guy. No, I, I honestly really think like that's part of the reason. <laughs> I would, I don't think they're going to announce him. I think they're just going to be like, it's and it's like, <laughs> Yeah, here's blonde guy. I I'm not gonna watch it, but I'm gonna look. I'm just gonna. I'm sure I'll see something. He's gonna come out in pink gear. Like yes, just, it's gonna be something slightly like Billy Gunn, just slightly, just enough to make it. You know, have his curly ramen hair. God, God. ramen hair. That's yeah. Uh, the, yeah, he hasn't had that in a little bit. Um, yeah, you should bring it back. Um, yeah. The other, the last thing on this. Uh, just creative stuff um my whole thought was just and dave Schilling worked there for a little bit of time in front of the pod and all that kind of stuff good dude and he was gone pretty quickly and i i don't have the details i don't know anything about that but um if you're a like if you're a writer and you get offered a, a job to work with WWE, i just what, what is the upside if they're listening to john moxley's comments where like they're just it running around getting script after script and like Vince ends up tossing all this stuff anyway and rewriting all this stuff. And just, it seems like a really, I mean, I guess it, it just comes down to money, but like, why would you want to be in a, this kind of writer's room? It seems awful. 
that's the thing is like I've talked to a couple of former writers on Twitter just kind of and they've always said the environment is terrible like not only the travel the travel itself is is terrible but just the environment and so I think like you said like what would WWE change what is WWE potentially going to change with this Moxley interview we don't know but I'm curious to see how that changes how how and who and people who are applying to work in this environment like they're hearing this podcast and be like this is like a glass door review of the company. Like this is what it's going to be like if you work here. Do you really want to work there? WWE, you're a fan aside. Like, do you really want to get screamed at by Dean Ambrose because you wrote about a pooper scooper? Like that's, I think that's a really interesting thing is like, who is going to be wanting to work there just in the behind the scenes sort of thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't have the answer, but I am curious to see if we get any more, um reports to changes or any reshuffling or any just kind of come to jesus moments but then again i watched uh stephanie mcmahon cut a very bad very bad promo on twitter today so uh before we started recording on the state of the universal championship and what's going on with brock so i think they're turning brock babyface now which um bold move cotton um very quickly (laughs) here uh who should brock challenge because brock has been the best thing about WWE right now in my opinion outside of babyface miz who they're doing their absolute best at ruining um the shane mcmahon stuff got to keep shane strong but um who should he challenge because i i've long thought what's going to happen is brock and ronda wind up on smackdown and they're their top two champions at some point this year whenever ronda decides to come back and brock moving to smackdown moving back to smackdown anyway makes a lot of sense um, so I feel like he's eventually going to cash in on Kofi or whoever's the WWE world champion, but, um, I don't know. What would you do? So I don't think like, I, I, I feel like he's not going to cash in on Rollins. Like I definitely think it's going to be like a SmackDown guy. Um, I'm trying to like be non-biased cause I love Kofi Kingston. I do not want him to cash in on Kofi, but then it's like, if he cash, what if he cashes in on Kofi and he loses? Oh my like, God. The, the idea that Vince would have Brock Lesnar lose to Kofi Kingston, I, I just, I can't see I just, it. I just, I'm just, I mean, I'm just putting it out there in the universe. Like, I'm just speaking it out there in, into the universe. I think a move to SmackDown would be helpful. I think a move to SmackDown, I think, would, would, because he's, he's been on Raw for so long. Like, it'd be nice to change it up a little bit. Um, I did think it was funny on Monday that the whole thing is, like, Brock didn't realize he has a whole year. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I'm totally down for him just waiting it out. And then we all forget because he doesn't show up weekly anyway. We all legitimately forget. And then he just shows up. And I don't know if it's if I wanted to be Kofi or somebody else, but Well, they have a um, history, right? Like the Kofi stuff, didn't they have that big match? Was that in Japan? It was in Japan. Yeah, they were. Like they do. They have a history. Um and they could yeah, make it a big it, match feel. They could go they could cite yeah. that Japan match and just like no one saw it and all this other stuff. Like yeah. there's there's a way to make that a compelling feud and I, I would not be opposed to going that route, I don't think. And then getting Biggie involved and all this stuff and I, I don't know. I think that could get pretty interesting. And I think that's probably where they'll end up going. Um last thing that we gotta wrap up here. Uh Adam Cole, Undisputed Era, have a lot on the line this weekend at NXT Takeover. Um do you have Cole beating Gargano? Because I've gone back and forth on this. Uh, I'm gonna say yes. I think it's time. I think you have to give them all the belts. I yeah. I I'm super. I I'm I enjoy Gargano, but I'm like I like it's time. I think it's time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I think and then have, like you said, like having them all them having all the belts. Like that's yeah. I, I that's what I'm thinking. You have to. I just think NXT is like weirdly in a bad place right now. Just with like this, like there's a lot of like the Yoshirai who is awesome. That stuff with Shayna has just been dragging a long time, and they got pulled. Like a lot of talent has been plucked recently, and I, um, I don't know. I think for a content perspective, giving Undisputed Era that all the titles for the remainder of the summer would just be fantastic and them just annoying William Regal and everybody else just all summer long would be would be a lot of fun no I agree and I think and I think like you said like they've they've taken so much talent and brought them up like NXT always has that rebuilding period especially it's always right after Wrestlemania because everybody goes like they pick people up and they just take people 
Um, so I think having them that be like a top storyline, I think it would be we good while they're in the midst of, you know, kind of rebuilding and, and building people up, people up to replace the people that have left. Yeah, it um, it's going to be interesting, but it's going to be a good show. Like, at least we know it's going to be a good show. And I think we both agree we're not going to watch superstar showdown or whatever it's called um as much as we want to watch goldberg versus undertaker in 2019 um i think a hard pass uh for me on that one um oh <laughs> uh, kate this has been great i very much appreciate you taking the time tonight to come on the podcast um is there anything we need to check out from you this week um let's see well if you want to follow me on twitter i am over at make it loud um I have zines and enamel pins. You can go check that out at zoebugstudio.bigcartel.com. And I work as a graphic designer, freelance, full-time, daytime job, nighttime job. So if you're ever looking for a graphic designer, just go to my website, hey, hey, it's Kate Foray, F-O-R-A-Y.com. There you go. Do that, Kate. We'll have to talk wrestling again soon. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kate. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out chasethomaspodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we will be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.